advise you get your scriptures out, your Bible, get your notes ready. Um, if by now that you haven't realized that God is now carrying us into a new dimension or he has carried us into a, di- a new dimension, you're probably not ready for it. Um, I'm just going to go straight to the point. You're probably not ready for it if you have not realized that God is carrying us or has carried us into a dimension of God. This dimension is a higher conversation. In this dimension, there are higher conversations. Remember what I said to you earlier on this week as well, that what separates your financial state to the financial state of someone more credible or what we would consider more wealthy is the kinds of conversations that they're privy to hear. If you look at our community, our conversations are gossip, it's banter, it's I can't do or we don't have. And then someone will complain, why does their life look or mirror um, the things that it does? And it's simply because of the kind of conversations that you are having. So what separates us from, like I've just said to you, uh, let's say in quote, a more wealthier family, it's not the fact that there's more resource, resources available for them per se. And I'll say why I've said that in a moment, but it's because of the kind of conversation that they've been having. For some families, they've been having conversations for decades. Do you understand me? They've been having conversations for decades. Remember when we used to watch um, or when we watched the Medici family you would see it was a conversation that fathers were passing on to their children for decades. There was a teaching, a pattern of teaching that they conformed to. And in so doing, they will be rewarded with certain things of life. So I want to go back and remind you of this quickly because I woke up with a certain resolve this morning. Um, But you will remember that the first thought I feel like I need to share with you this morning before I take you to our main verse is the fact that Adam was made with everything he would need already provided and prepared before he even realized. What a Goldie would need to fulfill destiny has already been provided before his own formation. Did you just hear what I've said to you? Again, bring your heart and your mind here. You know, everything that's happened outside of this moment It's only something to distract you. Reading scriptures, you would realize, and I'll take you to a scripture um, soon, and you would see that in the beginning of the scripture, in one of the translations, whatever one it was, you would see that the Bible would say Jesus spoke to his disciples. By the end of the scripture, you will realize that Pharisees were there. I said to you the other day that it is possible that God speaks a word in the midst of where you are, but not be speaking to you. So the Pharisees were not even considered as those who God was trying to speak to, even though it was for their correction, but we'll get there shortly. So we look at Adam, and like I said to you, Adam, everything that he will need in terms of provision, finances, um, tools, um, um, natural resources, everything that he'll need to the fulfillment of his call was provided before his formation. And why I told you to pay attention to that is because what usually awakens you to what you have around 
is the life of God that is given to you. But that life of God is given to a mature person. Are you following me this morning? I'm not going to speak about life per se this morning, but I need to say this. I need you to have this in mind that whatever Pastor Obi needs to fulfill destiny was made and prepared before my formation, before my making. So when God says to Peter through the body of Christ, begins to say, come, follow me and I will make you. Everything that will help Peter succeed in his role was already prepared. What will awaken or give him right to those things will be his making, his formation. Now, why did I say that? You see, in this life, I've been speaking to people and I've always said that there are many things I won't say to people because just because something is in front of you doesn't mean that's available. You know, the immaturity we have, I want to speak about finances actually today, but when we look at money, just because it's there, there's something that tingles in our heart and says, oh, yeah, yeah, it's available. Then we come with all kinds of requests. All kinds of cause to spend comes. And God actually looks at the person that when these things come, can I entrust them with more? Because what God doesn't do is when Elohim is 25, he has in a book saying, at the age of 25 for Elohim, that's when money will come. He doesn't work in terms of ages. He works in terms of your maturity. So I'll have conversations of things that are happening amongst you, of wealth being banked up, stored on your behalf. And you'll realize that you could have been living a life struggling because you do not have enough. Not knowing that you had more than enough hidden but waiting for your maturity. Have you heard of when parents, for example, a kid will grow up and, you know, parents, but not much in our families, but um, parents will have um, um, savings that you have access to when you're 18. It's not about the age 18. It's the fact that at a level of maturity, you'll be licensed to have access to what is there. So these are the things that God says to us that, all the provisions you need. COD, let me say this to you. What God has been doing with you and I, yeah, is putting a fight in you and I. Putting a fight. Now, let me tell you so that you don't get this wrong. We will get to a place and what we will be aiming towards is 100K giving. That's not making just 100K. You do understand that, right? But I want you to understand the kind of things that's been in my heart. That 100K won't be our fight. Please listen to me. 100K is what we should be doing. Fight is now going to be beyond that. But so that I don't get into too many things this morning, let me stay with my thoughts, line of thoughts. So, again, there are things that God begins to say to us and he shows us, he gives us witnesses of certain things so that we may know that your today's discontentment is actually an attribute or is actually a witness to your immaturity. That should you mature, you'll be so surprised that everything you need is actually around you. It's there. It's reserved for you. But you cannot gain access to it until you mature. So as I was saying, God is giving us a fight. All the things we've been going through, 
from the, the needs of finances, the expenses, the needs for new houses, the need for us to grow up and to begin to prepare mentally for the kind of things we're stepping into. I've said to you many times before that the houses are only a sign of a new age. Yeah, we need them, but they're only a sign, an indication that things have changed. But when you begin, and I hope you as leaders do have these thoughts, I'll be, I'll be very, very, um, if I, no, let me not lie to myself. I wouldn't be afraid because I've made up my mind that there's a level of work you get to that you say to yourself, if someone don't do it, you would do it. You would take it. Yeah? Let me not even get into that. So, as it is with us, God is bringing us to a new level, a new level of maturity, a new level of fight, a new level and ability to reason, a new level of wisdom, knowledge and insight. These are the things that God is bringing us into because he wants to give to us the establishment of his covenant, which is wealth. I don't want you to forget what Pastor Toby said to us, and this is just me sharing some thoughts before we get into scripture, that when God wants to establish his covenant upon a person, he gives wealth. He gives them power to produce, power to create, power to make available wealth. Wealth goes beyond material resources, but includes it. Wealth is the, the durability of your, your resources, in quote. So wealth is not in this season you look like you have because we have those seasons, but that does not guarantee or is not a statement of wealth. Wealth is the fact that Pastor Elohim enters a certain degree of exposure, whether that's exposure to people, whether that's material resources, whether that's a wisdom, a mindset, but he does not fall back from it. It's the ability to endure in that state. That is what God is committing to the COD family. And it's for that reason that God has been putting us under the word. I speak to some people and they'll be saying that I've spoken like once a week and all of these things. But for us, God has been making us speak, 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 constantly interrupting our days. Constantly calling our attention to the word because the Bible and like PT emphasized the other day that we should remember that it is the Lord that gives us power to make wealth, not our ideas not our thoughts, not our businesses, it is God. So why am I starting like all like this today? I want us to remind I want to remind you quickly of some of the things that I said to you that God reminded me in prayer. And then I'll take you into our main scripture for today. I want to speak about finances. Um but you will hear me what I mean when I'm saying that. So let's start with Romans actually. Romans chapter six I spoke to you about the other day. So I won't spend time here. But Romans chapter 6, you know, in this scripture, we start to see when Paul commissioned the people. And he said that you have pledged your allegiance. He had said things that you have, there's a pattern of teaching that claimed your allegiance. These are the things that we must remind ourselves daily. You know, if I had time and if I had, if I had time or if, I, yeah, if I had time, let me just say it like that. I would have taken us into many translations and other supporting scriptures so that you would know that the diligence you must have in paying attention to you and the doctrine, without that, you will not be able to grow and mature in this life. It's not possible. 
And we must admit that in this world, there are many, many um, distractions. There are many things, you know, but by the time that this word is over, there are many things you begin to think of. What am I wearing tomorrow? Or what am I going to eat today? What are we doing, guys? There are many things you begin to speak on. And I realize that the many is only a distraction from the one. The many is just a distraction. I realize in this life, if you can set your mind, and this is what I hope that God is doing and will do today and from today in the COD family, that he will set our minds on the few, on the thing that is important because your attention to that one thing makes everything work. But the pattern of this world tells you that if you can pattern up everything, then you will have you that will work. It doesn't work like that. So let's start off with Romans chapter 6. Um, maybe jump to verse 15. Let's just start there quickly. As a reminder of the things that I said to you this earlier on this week. Verse 15, go on. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. As you know, that's my main verse. It says, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you were brought under the power of sin. I want you to think deeply about the word sin. The character of sin, the person of sin. Sin is not just your actions. As PT has taught us over the years, sin is now the person you've become. Your thoughts are sins. Everything about you. So, you know, I'm going to say something ahead of, my, ahead of today. But when you look at the word sin, I want you to know something. Every man will always be at short fall to God. Did you just hear, hear what I said, yeah? Every single man is going to be at short fall to God. I'm going to explain why I've said that to you today. Does that mean that there's no redemption for man? Christ is our redemption. As you know, by his blood, we now have boldness to enter and to come to the throne of mercy. But it's the throne of mercy. Meaning that a man will always be at short fall to God until their full redemption. So you will look at the teachings of Paul. Paul was still looking for the redemption of his body. He was still looking for an age, a coming age whereby the Holy Spirit, where it was said to us that it was only a deposit of what we're about to inherit. So there's more to what this life can bring. Again, that's me going ahead of myself. So let me slow down. So it says, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves... To sin, you have come to obey from your heart. When I see scriptures like this, I remember lame generation. I remember Paul's cry, who would deliver me from this wretched man that I am. That your heart actually wants to obey God. I don't think now, by now, that there's anyone that sins and says, I want to violate God's laws. I think that there's a conflict in your heart and mind that why are you still involved in such things? And it's actually the witness of that conflict that shows that you are saved. Because if you were still under the slavery of sin, if you were under the power, you were brought under the power of sin, there will be no conflict at all. Because that's what you need to do to totally satisfy that power that's over you. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So there's, it's more gratitude. You would see in the days before we came to Christ, you used to boast about your acts. There was no conflict. There was no, there was no reasoning because you were under the power of sin. Sin is a power. You have come to obey now from your heart the pattern. What do I want the COD family to constantly remind themselves? Do not be deceived by your neighbor. What do I mean by that? Do not assume growth. Make sure you grow. And what I mean by that is you must remember this scripture that the Bible says you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching. What God establishes in a house is a pattern. What God confirms in a house is a pattern. I said to you, when you look into the nation, notably you can see that there's a power that has raised men and women. But when you look closely, ever more closely into their life, you would see that there was a pattern that they conformed their lives to. You would see that when God brought Apostle Toby to this nation, what was God exalting? What was God trying to show? A pattern that he gives regard to, a pattern that he reckons himself with. So you would see when God begins to say, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. What was God saying? I'm a God of a certain pattern. I'm a God of a certain practice. I'm a God of a certain way of life. If you want to see my power, follow this pattern. This is why he draws our attention to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So how do we prosper in this house? How do we prosper in this life? It's not going to be how smart an Akin is or how not smart an Akin is. It's going to be, does he recognize the pattern and has he come to imitate it totally? Because when we look at Apostle Toby, we see the LV, we see the Gucci, we see all the name brands, we see the cars, we see all of those things. And someone can assume the wearing of those same things means you're equal to him. But you would realize that he's living in wealth and you're li living in a season. You're living in a passing season. You realize to maintain that life, you do not have the capacity to because God gives wealth. He establishes a covenant. He establishes a pattern of life. So over the last few days, what I've had to be almost in a way, I'm critically judging myself saying, are you aligned with this pattern? So do you know what it is? Honestly, behind closed doors, I'm questioning now and demanding a new level of followership. Because it's easy to call someone's name and say, I am a follower. It's easy to say, I like this person, I love this person, and say, I'm a follower. But followership does not necessarily mean closeness of bodies. It's in sync. We are in sync with him. We, we think the way he thinks concerning giving. Yesterday, the, the media team was telling me about um, um, something that happened the other day. And through that, you can see Pastor Toby's attitude towards the word. Having everything and having no one over him, in quote, to regulate him. He can, um, what's the word now? He can compromise certain things. But his due diligence to the word, that attitude to the word, is a pattern that God is trying to show us. That if you can imitate this pattern, you will prosper. But what will life do? Life will give you many other patterns. 
And what distracts us from the pattern or what belittles this pattern of teaching is the many patterns that you are exposed to. So you see that Romans 12, Paul will begin to say things like, do not conform to the pattern of this world because that's what's going to belittle, bring down the pattern that is for your prosperity. I woke up this morning and in the place of prayer with the resolve forgiving, a resolve for my finances, a new level. Understanding what I will give that to. And I understand that not everyone will explain, will be able to understand this. And I may not always be able to explain it. Because you see, the devotion of a man that will lead nations is sometimes something that you will struggle to communicate. Remember what I taught you about Moses at time. The Bible says he was mighty in words and deeds. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says he was a stammerer. And I spoke to you earlier on. You remember that word when I was saying that it wasn't that he couldn't speak. He just couldn't communicate. You know, when they say, why do you give the way you do? You can't communicate. Um, you can't communicate adequately as to why you do it like that. When they say you have faith like this, it's not a common communication that you can have with just mere people. The only way you can hear and communicate properly with me is if you're on the same frequency. So what's the first thing that I need us to understand? Because again, what are we doing away with? And you're going to see it roll out before you over the next few weeks and months. We're going to remove the, the, um, the individual mindset within COD. As someone that can be in a house and still have their own agenda, it's going to be completely removed. There's a father's house. There's a father's agenda. And it's for everyone in that family to then um, um, submit to that, knowing that it's in this that we will see our wealth. Can God establish you as a covenant? Can God look at you and I and say, I can establish you? Because one thing I learned when PT was speaking, that it's possible that we can keep doing this talking, talking business. But how would we know that God is with you? He will establish you with wealth. Again, do you understand what wealth is? It's not one investment comes in and I live a life as if I am a new person. Wealth is in mindset. Wealth is in the kinds of people that God constantly brings you to. Wealth is also the failures and mistakes you make. Because one of the things that I need you guys to remember is that, because I spoke this word when I was speaking to you of retaining of strength. I took you to Deuteronomy 8 first in retaining of strength. You would remember that what I said in that word was that the wealth that God gives you, a parent doesn't remember. Most of our parents didn't remember God in the days of their youth. So because of that, God could not give them power to produce wealth. So they don't have their story of how they went from 2K a month to 10K a month. They didn't have the wealth of experience, the things they tried, the debt they, they incurred for themselves and how they came out of it. They don't have that wealth of story. The most they have in their life is how they married or they, they, they didn't marry, had you. And after having you, they realized that me and this man can't work. Or the most is their, their, their dramatic story of how God visited them to have you and then somehow brought them to England. Stupid stories, empty stories, loud but with no substance. What God is bringing to us now is, again, he's installing in us a fight. I don't know about you, but I can hear constantly things that are true but not truth. True is 
We are young. We're kids. And you know, in that truth, in, in that truth, if you if you understand what I'm saying, based on what PT taught us um, last week, or whenever, the problem with that is that those kind of truths, forgive me for saying it like that, but so that you can understand me, will make you live a certain type of way. It will make you live a substandard life. It will make you give excuses for what seems logical, meaning that it makes sense that we don't have the best businesses because we're young. If it comes to the professional world, you have not invested enough time to grow through the ranks either. So it makes sense that we shouldn't be able to give much. But then you see David, what God gave David when he gave him a, a responsibility was fight. God gave him an impossible work to do. In the, you know, sometimes I tell you all this time, and this is me still just preparing you, but it, for me, I'm sitting down thinking about the David story. And for, to aid my faith on what God can do through me and through you, I go and sit down and I think, this is a young boy that not once in scripture did the Bible give us any description of physical strength. But the Bible says that he fought lions and bears. Do you know the strength of a lion? Do you know that actually physically, in the way God has made animals, the lion and the bear is actually physically stronger than a human being? So when I look at things like that, yeah, for me, it's just, how did he get there? It was an impossible fight. God knew that in making him a shepherd, he was going to come across things that were impossible. So I realized God did not give him kingship. Neither did he necessarily give him sheep. What God used was the sheep as an instrument to give him fight. What is going to make you, Josh, get to a place where you're actually a billionaire? It's not the money he gives you because that will make you complacent. It's not the people that he gives you because that will make you complacent. It's the fight he gives you. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? So what God gives us is that in the midst of where people can say, it's fine, your kids, and they're not saying it to belittle you. Actually, God allows them to say it and for it to come to your hearing because he wants to provoke a fight in you. David's key attribute of his life, as well as shepherding, listen to me, as much as we say that his key attribute was shepherding, to the world it was fight. To God it was shepherding. He had to tell them, I, 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 I killed the lion and the bear. He was talking about his fight. What introduced him to Israel was the fight with Goliath. So there are things that God allows to come to your hearing. There are certain lacks we have because God wants to produce a fighter in us without which we cannot enter what God has called us to be. So I thank God that we don't have a leader that comes in and says, oh, I want to help you. There's some people that the money's there and I don't want to help you because God lays it on my heart that you have to be a fight. I can, in front of you, give that money to somebody else. But for you, you're meant to be a fighter. And let me tell you what we're, what we're and I'm speaking, the person will know that I'm speaking to them. The problem is that there will be situations, legitimate reasons as to why I should help but the problem is 
Remember the scripture, the Bible says, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for no one here will attack or harm you, because many that are here are with me. Sometimes we look at the power of men and we fear what can possibly be, and then I'm asking to myself, or I'm asking behind closed doors, behind their back, I'm thinking, does this person really have faith in God though? Can someone touch you unless God gives permission? There are things that we give that nullifies the fight in a person. And as a believer, what God wants to give to you, Elohim, give to you an alakon, is fight. What the world needs to see, look at the activists, they were fighters. These were people that went against the system. What makes you, even billionaires, entrepreneurs, most of them, if you look at the stories, somewhere in their life, there was something that was morally dodgy. What were they doing? They fought to get where they are. You would see later, law-abiding citizens do not amount to be anything other than employees. I woke up with a resolve this morning, saying that this is going to be my mind. This is what I'm pushing towards. This is what I'm fighting towards. And I'm not looking for it to be easy. I'm not looking for anybody to also ease me of my fight. Because I know before the king, what will bring me entry into his palace is going to be my account of fight. So don't look for people that's always going to ease. You have to be in a situation and say, yes, I did not grow up in a background that helped me. But I'm going to have to sit here. And sometimes, and this is what's going to happen in the houses, the house of exchange, the house of influence, the helper's house, storehouse, fortress, um, prosperity house. There'll be times you're waking up with, your, with, with the family who's also your team. You're sitting up from 9 a.m. for hours just saying, how can, we put, how can we achieve this? And I want you to have this faith that there's nothing that you would not keep knocking on that will not eventually open for you. So I don't care if you don't have the business yet, if you keep sitting down talking. I said to, um, um, to the COD family, and I had a personal conversation with Anna yesterday, when PT said, you know, the word yesterday, I have to go back and listen to it. Because PT's first statement rattled me already. For everyone else, it's just a statement, play on words. For me, it's if you have a prayer that you have, that you've been at, you will hear more than what is being said. It's like you've gone and inquired of the Lord and he expands certain things. When PT says to us that we don't make seed, but seed makes us. Have you ever been given a target that regulates your mind? Pastor Toby messaged me the other day, 2 a.m. in the morning or whatever time. And he said that there's going to be, either in August or September, there's going to be a national youth prayer conference. And you are in charge, meaning COD is in charge. And for me, I woke up. I'm thinking about it. I'm realizing that my dream was somehow altered by that word. I'm waking up in the morning. Do you know what I realized with that? A person, so you see the statement that says, we do not make seed, but seed makes us. You know when I give you a target, Josh, what happens is that that target is meant to regulate you. No. So there will be a target given to you and in your mind, you don't even know how to do it. The first thing your target must do is disturb your mind. What do I mean about disturb your mind? It must not give room for any other thing. So you would see a man of mission, whether in church or outside, you would see that they don't have room for the normal things. And God helped them that they are blessed with um, friends, 
wives, families that can allow them to be who they need to be because they're coming into something. So what happens is that the target regulates you. You, you know, if we say that we have a 100K target that we want to be reaching as given, what that should do is that in the houses, you're constantly sitting down thinking. You're constantly researching. You're constantly making calls. You're constantly trying things because that target begins to regulate you. So I realized that's why I can see the difference. When you set people with targets, you will see that there'll be a better performance because what's supposed to happen is that with that target, it's meant to regulate. It don't give room for other things. So who's the idle man? The man without a work or target. And you remember what, the, what idleness brings to a man? Sin. You are outside of what God is calling you to do. I don't want to lose my focus of that target for anything. Now, how do you do that? You have to constantly think about it. And sometimes you have to take ownership of the target because the target is powerful enough to regulate you. But sometimes you don't take ownership of it because it seems too big. We're going into the houses and there's some people that's never gone to their leader and say, how can we contribute? It's not something, it's not a target that regulates them or produce a fight. Then there's others that on their head is a 30K target. That's outside of giving. What's happening to them? They will make mistakes. They will have to speak to people. But what will happen? They will develop. Because you see, wealth comes to a certain behavior. You will never see a poor man with wealth and be able to keep it. It's a behavior that has wealth. All targets, all things that we're doing is producing a behavior that God can give wealth to. So that's why I say to us, in the COD family, we've had so much fun. We've done many things. But our focus is still raising people and raising finances. And my, my resolve this morning, and this is what I want to share with you quickly, the resolve is this. We're not even raising financed finances to make our lives better. We're raising finances only to give. In this world stage, because I've told you that this world is a stage, the Bible says, since, since therefore you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, there are witnesses watching you. You're on a stage. I want to show the sacrifice. You remember when I talked to you, development through sacrifice, I told you that when Christ said that one day the kernel of wheat and all these things, I won't go into that, but he was saying that when I have that opportunity, what I'm going to show the world is sacrifice. That's the pattern that will lead us to right standing with God. Are you here with me? The scripture I want to speak to us therefore from today, as God has laid it on my heart and has been speaking to me, is Luke chapter 16. This is the story where God begins to speak about unrighteous mammon. Yeah. So I, I want your ears open. Again, what, do you, what does everyone need? It was this week I spoke to you that we don't have room for emotions. God is trying to raise an army. In that army, remember what I said to you, you don't first see the details of their training. The first thing that the world must be able to observe of an army is how in sync they are with one another. When God started to take us back to the foundation of the church and we saw that they were of one heart and mind, that is in sync. When God wants to advance his kingdom, a kingdom cannot do that without an army. An army is for its defense and its offense. 
So God raises us as his army. But what God needs to see is that the, what is occupying the mind of a Sean is the same thing occupying the, heart, the mind of a Tomiwa. Until then, we are stopping the ability to advance and really take grounds. I want you to also know that this Bible is not just a spiritual thing, even though it's spiritual. The gain of it spiritually is so that we can see physical gain too. But let's read the scripture. Um, read from verse 1. Let's go for it. The parable of the shrewd manager. Interesting parable. Let's break this down today. Go on. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management. Give an account of your management. Are you ready for the word? The Bible actually says Jesus spoke to his disciples. Again, like I've said to you, you'll see later that there were Pharisees there. In fact, he was speaking to his disciples, but this word should have benefited even the Pharisees. What separates disciples and Pharisees? Their heart towards who's speaking. I understand that there's a room full of people and there's people tuned in with me. But you see, the thing is, your heart determines who you are. You are only what your heart is. Your body can be here, but your heart can be somewhere else. So in the midst of where everybody is, the disciples and the Pharisees, God is still speaking only to those who have made up their mind. I told you, and I've been saying this, and I don't know if you think I'm just trying to come with statements to you. If you would hear these things, it will bring you to life. That when we come into the house of God, you must come already with a resolve to practice everything you're about to hear. So God already sees the heart of the person that has come into the room saying that I want to hear what you have to say and I'm going to practice it. That's who God's actually speaking to. So Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. Life looks at you and I because God is speaking to his disciples though. God, life looks at us. Nature looks at us and begins to accuse us of wasting what the Father has given us. You look at our age and you would think that the things that God has put in you and I should bring back a result greater than what we're seeing. But what is the first thing that causes us to waste what God has given us? Ourselves. If you read this in another translation, the Bible says that you've amounted a huge amount spending on yourselves. So there's a talent that God has given you. There's a, there's, a, there's a skill that God has given you. There's a level of focus that God has naturally given you. There are things that God has given you, resources within and outside of you that God has given to you and I. But we have wasted these things on ourselves. Someone sings and they waste it on their own pleasure when the singing was only so they, that they can give. A person is a businessman and their only endeavor in life is to become something for themselves. But the reason why God gave it to them was not for it to be spent on themselves, it's to be spent on others. There was a rich man whose manager was accused. Who accused this manager? Who accused this man? God put you as a steward, Elohim. But yet there's an accusation against you, not you, but there's an accusation against you that you have wasted what, what your master has given to you. So the master comes and this is how he comes into the COD family. This is how he came to me and he says, so he called him in and asked him, what? 
What is this I hear about What you? is this that I hear about you? So when I say to you that you see whatever you do behind closed doors, you will give account. Life will make you give account. Life will accuse you that you are 23 years of age and what have you become? They will be saying that you have wasted what God, because the things that God gives us is not for the age of 30 before, it, before we see the results. It's not an age thing. At every given part of your life, there must be results. Are you listening to me, COD? Those of you that are on, are you listening to me? So the Bible says that, what is this I hear about you? You have to give account. I don't care if it's your singing. I don't care if it's your ability to, to do business. I don't care if it's your talent with the instruments. I don't care if it's anything, anything it is, you have to give account. And the Bible says, give an account of your management. Whatever you would have become is according to what you have managed, how you have managed. Are you listening to me? How have we managed the things God gives a pastor? Obi people, how have you managed them? This is what I will have to give account for. But look at what he says, because I will need you to hear the whole story to fully understand everything he's saying. Give an account of your management, but look at what he says next. Because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager says... Stop, stop, stop. So is God saying that he wants to remove us from a position? Is that what God is saying? I want you to stay with me for a moment to realize that it's not that. It's deeper what he's saying here. Remember that a parable is only to give wisdom to those who can hear. A parable, it's not, it's not a literal story. It's only to give an understanding to those who have ears to hear. What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. Verse 3, go on. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? Look at what the manager said. So he has heard that his time has caught him by surprise. His time to give account for all that he's been doing has caught him by surprise. And he's thinking, okay, what can I do? He doesn't have enough time to make the papers. Another translation would say that you have to give a complete audit, an accounting of everything you've done. He does not have enough time to put those things together because the moment that God asks for you to give an account will probably be a time when you're not ready. That's why God is looking for people who will be faithful. Faithfulness is irrespective of time, I will stay in a certain state. The people that are usually unfaithful are those who have misunderstood the timing of the arrival of their master. Until I come, devote yourself, he said to Timothy, to the speaking publicly and the preaching of scriptures. There are things that God commits to the, to the faithful or those he hopes to be faithful. He says, the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. Go on. I'm not strong enough to dig. He has not developed, so he cannot do it himself. And so you see, there's a form of there's a form of strength you can have. The only way to get strong is to really engage. Are you listening to me? You know there are people that can form strong. You know, growing up in school, your structure can make someone think and assume strength to you. Strength is not just power. I'm talking about even the skill of fighting. You can, you see, people are not naturally born good fighters. They developed that skill. 
How do you develop a skill in something? How do you mature in something? By constant use of that thing. So there are people that know how to fight because either their upbringing caused them to fight a lot more. Or they went through certain skills like martial arts or boxing, which trained them. You cannot become a better boxer without training, going through it. So what am I trying to say to you here is that this master for a while could have looked like he's strong enough to dig. Until he knew that he was about to be exposed and you would realize that he had not developed. What am I trying to say here? You can be in the house. You can say that you're sitting down. I was here the other day and I said that I'll keep quiet to it because I've realized it's not everybody that can do this. I'll just be amongst people and take the blessings off them 100%. In the house of the HQ, people are still not concentrating when service is on. I'm looking at them. I'm here, you know, and I can still see them not concentrating. God helped these people. Honestly, God helped them. Because you still think, you know what people still think? With everything we say, you still think that someday you're just going to become something. It cannot be. But let me leave that. I said there was even something I won't even bother talking about. You see the weakest growing because they, 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 they feel that they're entitled to something. We as leaders that's been doing this all this time, we still tremble at the word. We're still worshipping. We're not waiting for Pastor Toby to be in front of us before we worship. A bunch of people clowning themselves. But leave that. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. Go on. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. So don't be someone that forms strength and in the day that you have to give account, be put to shame. Every engagement with the word is developing me. It's making me strong. It's giving me a new level of fight. It's giving me a new level of, of understanding. It's only your engagement. So God help you as we get into the houses, you're looking for complacency and comfort when you should be looking to be in that fight. Pastor or no pastor, irrespective of what you feel you should do, if I were you, get engaged in anything that's available because it's for your development. Because one day you will have to give account on your managing. And I'm ashamed to beg. Verse 4, go on. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. Underline verse 4 because this is where I'm going. He says, I know what I would do. So that when I lose my job here, when I lose my position here, where I, when I lose my height and what everyone thinks of me, people will welcome me into their houses. What the hell does this mean? This was the parable, not of a prophet, but this was the parable of Christ himself, truth. And he always said to us that I speak to you with earthly illustrations because of the limitations of your mind to understand spiritual. Parables are spoken to those who have the ability to hear. Because there's something deeper that is trying to be communicated than what you're hearing audibly. You would then know that it takes the attention of the heart and mind to really hear. When God says, uh, when I'm constantly saying, are you hearing me? It's not that you're here and saying, yes, sir, that's your body hearing me. If your mind and heart is here, that's where you start to hear deeper things. So he called in each one of his master's debtors, yeah? 
He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. What did he do? He split the debt in half. <laughs> Interesting. Verse 7, go on. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. What did he do? He cut it down. You know, I've said to people, you know, in the pursuit of, let's say, core, because I believe everything we're doing, and I'll have faith that all that we do is because we're pursuing core and destiny. I will never encourage someone to clear their debt. I don't care how anyone thinks that sounds. You don't get money to then put yourself in comfort. God is the one trying to keep you in fight. And something comes and you try to put yourself in comfort. You're going backwards. Of course, sometimes it's for us to organize and say, okay, this is what we pay back. This is the debt. This is the debt. But we're fighting for something. And at the time of fight, the worst thing you can have, you know, in a time of a battle, you know, in a war, there are series of battles. What usually brings the distress of a nation, meaning the fall of a fight, the losing party of a fight, is when they've taken up, taken up comfort in the midst of fight. So I look at people and I'm saying, if you're fighting financially, you have not got to where you're going and you're trying to ease yourself of your current fight. Do you not know that it's your fight that even made what you have now available? Verse 8, let me just leave that, go on. The master commended, uh, this is the part I love, and I, I, I wish that you guys can go back and read this chapter in many translations. It's because of time that I won't go into all of them. But verse 8, let's look at this. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Listen to me. He did not commend him for dishonesty. Because the corruption of someone's mind will say, oh, because I'm a dodgy person, this, I'm commended for my dodginess. No. And other translations will make it clear to you. The master and Christ uses the story to commend his shrewd actions, his shrewd responses. Not that he was a dishonest person, but that he was shrewd. What was, what was it that God accounted as a shrewd action? Read verse 4 for me again. I know what, I do, what I'll do so that when I lose my job here. When I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. God, what does this mean? A parable is only spoken so that those who have ears can hear what he's really saying. Let's go back to verse 8. Read verse 8 again. I'll help you to get this. Go on. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world, go on. Are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Do you understand that scripture? He says, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Another translation would say the children of the light. What is God's issue with his own people? That they are still yet children. You know, as a child, there are things that you just haven't grown to. 
There are things that you just don't know. There's an action that you will have as a child that will be tolerated as a child, but does not mean you can be given the entrustment of wealth that God has for you. God needs us to grow, mature. But the point that I want to draw emphasis on here is this. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Listen to me carefully. God commended the man for thinking of the tomorrow after today ceases to exist. God commended the man for thinking of his future. But he had to use physical, earthly illustrations to explain something more. The people that turn out to become nothing are those who have no consideration of what eternal life has. They only think of today. Someone is discontented, distressed, uncomfortable today. And all they can think of is today. You know that verse, you have to keep reading it before you get the understanding that what God was saying is that he was drawing comparison between the people of this world and their own kind and the people of light and their own kind. I'm coming somewhere. Let's see. In fact, let's carry on reading. I'll come back to this so you understand me. Verse 9, what does it say? I tell you. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. You see, so when we begin to say soul winning, I was listening to Pastor Kim and Pastor Stephen yesterday, and I realized that the more you try to do soul winning, you will not be able to soul win. Did you hear me? Soul winning has never been a matter of what you do is a matter of who you've become and who you are. I don't think Pastor Toby stands on the street saying, I want to win souls. He just became someone that souls hearts. You know, the Bible says souls, not people. You know, there's a person that a priest should come that will captivate the soul of a person. If you captivate the soul of a person, eventually their body will follow. It's inevitably. For where a person's soul, where a person's heart is, there their treasure will be. I love the fact that the Bible say, it says in some translations, will be. So I look at some people that they see a pastor Toby and they feel like they need to take a picture. Listen, if God has any plan for their redemption, they've already become a national. Because where else would they go? So soul winning is not in what you do. So do you know what I realized and what God had to show me is, that, is this. In 2020, in the midst of COVID, what we should have done in that year was invest more in our development. Because who we would have become would have been the means for soul winning. The tool is never what is in your hand. The tool is you. So a kiddo should be able to pull in people through his property. The moment he starts to go in the street and try to speak, people are going to look at him. Who's this short guy? Christ was so much a being. He, he became. He was. 
that wherever he was, people gathered to him. So God actually says to us that soul winning and raising finances are not two different acts. They're the same thing. Because the Bible says, use your worldly wealth to gain friends. Yeah, captivate their soul. Uh, Pastor Toby is dressed in a way and it captivates the soul of another person. They can say whatever they want to say, but inevitably their body will follow. But you see, that's only the first, that's the surface level of understanding of this scripture. I told you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, because it will go, you'll be welcomed into into eternal dwellings now that's where I became confused because surely there's nothing eternal about the person I'm winning in quote what I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to win their souls so that they can welcome me to their house so then we have to understand it's a parable do you want to understand what this parable is saying to us okay Carry on reading. Let's read this. Then I'm going to ask you to read in the Amplified after. Read from verse 9. Go on. I tell you, use worldly wealth. I'm still, going to describe, I'm still going to explain verse 8, but I need us to read this through. Go on. To gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Okay. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Amazing. Go on. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Verse 14. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this. The Pharisees were always there. But God was speaking to those willing to follow. The Pharisees had already stated that they're not going to hear what he has to say. So imagine that God was speaking to his disciples, but using that to make clear that the Pharisees are the ones that God is not looking for. The Pharisees, described as who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Okay, amplify it quickly. Let's run through this. It's 12.05. I want to finish this in the next 10 minutes. Go on. Now, go on. Now Jesus was also saying to the disciples. Read it quickly, yeah. There was a certain rich man who had a manager of his estate, and accusations against this man were brought to him. And this man was squandering his master's possessions. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management of my affairs, for you can no longer be my manager. The manager of the estate said to himself, what will I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig for a living and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I will do so that when I am removed from the management, 
people who are my master's debtors will welcome me into their homes. So he summoned his master's debtors one by one, and he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of olive oil. And he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. And his master commended the unjust manager, not for his misdeeds, but because he had acted shrewdly by preparing for his future unemployment. For the sons of this age... Verse 8, read it once more. And his master commended the unjust manager... Not for his misdeeds, but for what? But because he had acted shrewdly... By what? Preparing for his future unemployment. Everything that you're doing here on earth is preparing. If you are aligned with God, you're doing everything to prepare for your future. The world will distract you by telling you everything you're also doing is preparing for your future, but they're only telling you preparing for your now. The things of God is, what would an Elohim look like in eternal life? By preparing for his future unemployment, I would have preferred another translation, but go on. For the sons of this age, yeah? The non-believers are shrewder in relation to, this, to their own kind. I love this are shrewder in relation to their own kind. What was God trying to draw emphasis on? How the world relates with their own kind and how the spiritual relates with their own kind. Are you following me yet? For the sons of this age, the non-believers are shrewder in relation to their own kind. This is why in the world, it looks like there are people prospering because they know how to work with each other. Now, why is it in the church we struggle to see people prospering? Because the church is trying, they neglect their own kind to work with those in the world. But the non-believers don't do that. No, I don't think you understand me. Go and see over the last few decades, yeah, what caused a China to grow dramatically in their economy? Before learning how to engage with people outside of them, they had to learn how to engage with themselves. You know, they shut themselves from the world for about 25 years. And when they came out in a short period of time, they have come to being one of the greatest powers in the world. To the point that their projection is that they will outpass or outrun in economy the USA by 2025. When the U.S., who never once, can I say this, set themselves aside, consecrated themselves, in quote. They didn't do that. So when they saw China, they considered China a third world country. <laughs> because there are two different patterns they chose to live by. Okay, let me help you with this. So let's break this down. For the sons of this age, the non-believers are shrewder in relation to their own kind, that is, to the ways of the secular world, than the sons of the light, the believers. This was what Christ was trying to draw emphasis on, that the sons of light, the believers, do not know how to interact with the spiritual to produce something. 
And I tell you, learn from this. Let's get to the answer. Go on. And I tell you, learn from this. Make friends for yourselves for eternity. Not for now, for eternity. So I'm not going to go in the street. The first level is, the first. let me just make this practical. The first level of my finances is that God gives me material resources to win friends here on earth. Pastor Toby has shown us that we've been able to get into certain grounds of people that would not come to church because he allowed God to establish the covenant of wealth upon him. And that's what made him bring rappers that would no long, would never have a thought of taking a picture with a pastor. It's now become a trend for those who are socially known to be acquainted with PT. Sometimes I don't think you you listen you pay attention to what's happening. This is an African man that came at the age of 25, yeah, still has an accent, but has come and completely dabberooed London City. With what? The word. First level. What does God give me finances for? I tell you, read it. We're going to see it here quickly. Make friends for yourselves for eternity. By means of the wealth of unrighteousness. That is. Use material resources as a way to further the work of God. I woke up with a resolve this morning that my finances is not to make a family. My finances is not to look after myself. The first priority, because remember the Bible said, and I read to you this morning, that we should not be conformed to the patterns of this world. The patterns of this world is if we are good, then we can start looking after people. But the Bible lets us know, and the pattern I've observed with Pastor Toby is before I'm good, I look after others. Use material resources as a way to further the work of God. Listen to me. For all of those doing businesses from mainstay to to, um, too clean, too fresh, to resilient, to the trading family, to all the businesses, if you make this your first priority, that the first thing that finances are made available for me for is to further the work of God, you will prosper. The moment that you say it's for me to get trainers or clothes or cars or to make me comfortable before I make the work comfortable because I'm still going to explain something, it's the moment that God cannot trust you because the scripture that led after this was if the person's faithful with little, he'll be faithful with much. All of this was a call of faithfulness. God was saying, with what you have, would you be found faithful for me to really give you what I want to give you? It says that means of the wealth of unrighteousness, that is use material resources as a way to further the work of God. So we will not be put to shame if we say to ourselves, our first target, irrespective of our age, irrespective of what the world is telling us, irrespective of what our families are telling us, if we say our first reason for having finances is to give, we will prosper. So that when it runs out, because it will, they will welcome you into the eternal dwellings. Now, that's where I got confused. Because after all of this, it's still saying, so that they can welcome you into eternal dwellings. What does that mean? You have to first ask yourself, who is they? Because it's a parable for you to have ears, for, the, for those who have ears to hear. They is not the souls you win. 
day is the work of God. Let me explain what I mean by this. One day, Christ, John 14, I believe it's John 14. If it's not, then hey, we'll just close. John chapter, we wouldn't close, we'll find it. John 14, <laughs> let's wrap this up. John 14, read from verse 1. Let's see if that's the verse. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Brilliant. Lord, what does he say next? Go on. My father's house has many rooms. My father's house has many rooms. Another translation would say many dwellings. Go on. If Maybe find me the one that says dwellings. In fact, carry on reading, Dory, because of time. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? Uh, what are you saying, Christ? So if that were not so, would I tell you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? What was Christ saying? I'm going away to prepare a dwelling for you. So go back to the last verse, to the last scripture. And let's finish this because I need you to understand there's a greater blessing that God is trying to give us. But the way to it is even material resources, what we do with it. And I tell you, learn from this, verse 9. Make friends for yourselves for eternity by means of the wealth of unrighteous, of unrighteousness, sorry. That is, use material resources as a way to further the work of God so that when it runs out, they will welcome you into eternal dwellings. The work of God was Christ. Do you remember what the work of God was? What does scripture say the work of God is? To believe in the one whom God has sent. That's the work of God. Who was the one in that time that God sent? Christ. So the work of God, Christ, the work of God in our generation, PT, will welcome you to an eternal dwelling. If you read this in other translations, it will say God's presence. Do you know what happens? The greatest friend I'm meant to make for myself is the man of God. What you're actually meant to do is use your resources, yeah, to make friends for the man of God, give room for him, make work, make, help him make ground here on earth. Because what he will give you access to is in an eternal presence. Peter and Cole's life was providing, was pushing the agenda of Christ. And at the end, Christ said, because of what you've done, I'm going away to now create a dwelling for you. Meaning that people will be added to you. What would they do too? They will support you. They will support the work of God. Those who had sold what they had and brought their earnings of their possessions to the feet of the apostles. What were they buying into? An eternal dwelling. Moses is an eternal dwelling. Peter is an eternal dwelling, but you become that. You gain access by supporting the man of that, the man that can give you access to there. No, you don't understand what comes with God's presence. Mercy. I know we say God don't have favorites. Favoritism. Um, power. When you make mistakes, God has to speak on your behalf. The, you know, um, David got to a place where he says, blessed are they who God does not account 
their misdeeds for. That's an eternal place you enter. So look at the life. When Peter and Cole entered that eternal dwelling, their life changed. Finances is not something they look for. It's brought to them. They had power. They had bonus. They were people that changed in their status in community and all. What is God ultimately saying? Your finances is to win souls, first of all. But it's also to make the greatest friend with your leader. Now listen to what I'm about to say. Friendship here is not familiarity. It's a declaration of agreement and allegiance. So every time I sow, I'm declaring to both the work of God, Pastor Toby, and to God that I will be faithful with the little. That you can allow me into your presence. You can say the presence of God is everywhere. The presence of God really is everywhere. But there's some places that you cannot gain entry to unless you are invited. Moses invited the Joshua. Christ invited the Peter, James, and John, but that's because they made friends. So well, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. A servant, remember what res- servants usually do. Servants are means of labor to provide resources for their master. That's the first thing servants do. So now you have pressed in in that dimension to I can call you a friend. We are on the same wave. And now I can welcome you to the eternal dwellings. There, the future is made known to you. There's a level of word made known. Finances are the smallest of things at that place. That's why mammon is meant to be under your feet, not beside you. Do you understand these things, COD? So I end here with saying that what God wants us to understand is that you see our material resources. So for me and our household, COD. I understand what I've been called to do. And now I know that any other thing around that will be a distraction. It can look good, but it's a distraction. Raise finances. Anyhow is a how. Raise people. Anyhow is a how. But what I know is that what I'm doing is making friends for myself. And God said it's with unrighteous mammon. Again, before someone says, oh, yeah, that is also a parable. It made it clear. It says that is use material resources as a way to further the work of God. If you can think of furthering the work of God than your business, your business will actually grow. If it's the other way around, you will keep stumbling over yourself because they were not given to you for that. So I believe we're entering or we have entered a season where wealth will break out on every side in the COD family and in the nation. I believe according to this, all of us will begin to develop in mind, in spirit and also physically. We will develop, but you have to have a resolve. You have to have a conviction. You have to know your work because you will give account when you're not ready, but would you be found faithful? You will be up and down if you were not faithful. You'll be calm if you were faithful. With that, the Bible, remember what Christ commended, the way he behaved. It was his actions. He realized at a point, so in case someone is like this um, unjust manager, in case you've been living a life up to this point, another translation say that um, you've been squandering my possessions. If you feel that you've been 
belittling what God has given you. Whatever it is, at this moment, you can make the decision to say, let me think about eternity. And eternity for me is God has given you a work. Believe in the one who he has sent. What do you do with him? Our duty, COD must get to a place. I don't, listen to me. This is why I want you to understand. If you believe, and I'll say this boldly, if you believe that the throne belongs to you, COD, fight for it. Listen, as young people, there'll be many distractions. At this point, families will come and water down and melt your conviction, melt your still. But you have to make up your mind that you see us, if it's a hundred of us in COD, we are hand-to-hand focused on the same thing. It's how can we raise souls and how can we raise finances? Let's not complicate it. If we do that, guys, listen to me, we will prosper. We will gain access to a power. God goes ahead of us or Christ goes ahead of us or what PT's duty is, is going ahead of us. Every time we sow, he goes ahead of us to prepare. Our given prepares a dwelling for us in God. Do you understand these things? So, disband. Like PT would say to us, jettison the things that just Take space in your mind. Remember what I said to you that when targets really come, it occupies your mind. It disturbs you to not give room for other things. There's no room for love. Love meaning that emotional feelings. You should know that the love is the commitment of the mission. What is the blood that unifies all of us? Mission. This word. So a, a, a Sean does not need to speak to me every single day. He just needs to know that up in Ireland, he's just thinking, how can we add more souls? And then he's like, I've got this. You guys should come and power. Leicester, I don't care how it is. We have to find a way to make sure we get that ground again. Birmingham, all of these places, because that's our core. But we know that sitting on the throne will not be something given to us nicely. It's going to be our fight that will take there, take us there. Are you hearing me? So as we prepare to round up this word explosion, I want you to have in your mind certain resolves. In case you have lost that before, rebuild them in your life. Rebuild them in your mind. Some have said, oh yeah, be strict with me. And I said, okay, we'll see. That's a resolve you have to make. Of course, I'll do whatever I'm led to do. If it's me being nice when you expect me to be strict, I'll be nice if that's what I'm led to do. There's no such thing as um, leadership is just by being angry. It's not the case. The core of everything is that I want to see an Akin develop. I want it to be that God can see an Akin. God can see each and every one of us and say, this is someone I can trust. This is someone that I can go ahead and create, prepare a place for them. Do you hear all of these things?